Hi, this is John, and today I'm looking at Hebrews 7 through 13. These are some of the thickest, densest chapters. Even reading them really slow, they're still a little bit hard to understand. Thankfully, we have so many resources to look at, kind of to get a, at least a big picture. And then when we read them slower, it helps. For example, the Come Follow Me manual has a good summary, but I'm looking right now at the Religion 211 manual. This is something everybody has access to on their library, on their phone. I think you go to library and then adults and then young adults and institute. Anyway, this is what the introduction says in the Religion 211 manual. That's an institute class. Well, actually, it's just called the New Testament manual because Acts through Revelation would be in Religion 212. So here's what it says. In Hebrews 7 through 13, the Apostle Paul continued to emphasize the preeminent role of Jesus Christ in the plan of salvation, focusing particularly on the superiority of the Savior's priesthood, atoning sacrifice, and ministry. Paul taught his readers that the ancient tabernacle and its mosaic, meaning from Moses, ordinances prefigured Christ's sacrifice, and that only through the shedding of his blood can we obtain a remission of our sins and gain access to God's presence. So, big picture. Anciently, using Aaronic priesthood, they had this ancient temple, they sacrificed the blood of animals, and they did it often and frequently. But when Christ comes, that's superior, he will only need to do it once. When I look at Hebrews chapter 7, I see over and over again kind of a comparison of the Levitical priesthood, which came by lineage, and the Melchizedek priesthood, which comes with an oath. And that makes us think of what we call the oath and covenant of the priesthood in section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So, just one verse from Hebrews 7, verse 27. Who needeth not daily, this is talking about Christ, as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. So, in other words, daily priests would go and offer up sacrifice for their own sins, for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once and for all. Jesus offered himself up just one time and for all of us. All of those older sacrifices were supposed to point us to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make. So, hopefully that helps as you read seven years just go, okay. Jesus is going to do this once and for all. If we skip ahead to Hebrews 10.10, we see this verse, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So that kind of helps to see what Paul is talking about. And again, or Paul or whoever the author of Hebrews is, again, we're talking about trying to teach the Hebrews who knew all about this old law and the old temple and the Levitical priesthood there, that it was all pointing to Christ and the Melchizedek priesthood who would make that sacrifice once and for all. And he goes into such detail that uh, these chapters are pretty thick. But in chapter 9, I do like this phrase, verse 11, chapter 9, verse 11, Christ but Christ being come, and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, 
neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So again, he's saying the same thing. The Come Follow Me manual, they did a good job in just kind of summarizing Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 verses 1 through 22. This is what it says on page 182. The original Hebrew readers of this epistle would have been very familiar with the ancient tabernacle and the ordinances Paul describes. <laughs> some of us aren't, and that's why we're like, what? But some did not fully recognize the purpose of these ordinances was to point to the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In biblical times, on a yearly holiday called the Day of Atonement, a high priest entered the holiest place, or the Holy of Holies, in the Jerusalem temple, and sacrificed a goat or lamb to atone for the sins of Israel. As you read Paul's description of these ordinances, look for symbols and teachings that help you better understand the Savior's atoning mission. The ordinances we participate in today are different from those in Paul's time, but their purpose is the same. How do today's ordinances testify to you of Jesus Christ? Great summary. And if you get stuck in the density of, of Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, Read the summary, go back, and you'll, you'll see, okay, I see what's going on here. And it's a little bit repetitive, too. Uh, Hebrews 10.10 10, that I just read, the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. I love that both of those are mentioned. When we look at the Doctrine and Covenants and how Revelation comes, what is it, section 6 or section 9, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart. And then something fascinating that we talked about in the, the Follow Him podcast that I do with Hank Smith, Hebrews 10, 20, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The veil of the temple is a symbol of Christ, which is, is cool to think about as we go to the modern temple. Now, one of the verses I wanted to take a minute on was Hebrews 10, 32. Let's start in 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. This is a common sequence in life. Something great happens and then something bad happens. Call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. I remember hearing Dr. Robert L. Millett talk about, and maybe I've mentioned this before, he calls them high mountain low valley experiences. So like in Moses chapter 1, after Moses saw God, what happened? Satan showed up. So here's this great event followed by a bad event. After Jesus is baptized and hears the voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased in Matthew 3, in Matthew 4, Satan shows up and tries to, to tempt him. So Paul's saying, just don't, don't forget uh, those days when you were illuminated. Now there's a talk by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in April of 2016. And he, he called this idea post-illumination affliction. So you're illuminated, but then comes a trial. Post-illumination affliction, Elder Holland said, can come in many ways, and it can come to all of us. 
surely every missionary who has ever served soon realized that life in the field wasn't going to be quite like the rarefied atmosphere of the missionary training center. So too for all of us upon leaving a sweet session in the temple or concluding a particularly spiritual sacrament meeting. If in the days ahead you not only see limitations in those around you, but also find elements in your own life that don't yet measure up, please don't be cast down in spirit and don't give up. The gospel, the church, and these wonderful semi-annual gatherings are intended to give hope and inspiration. They are not intended to discourage you. Only the adversary, the enemy of us all, would try to convince us that the ideals outlined in General Conference are depressing and unrealistic, that people don't really improve, that no one really progresses. And why does Lucifer give that speech? Because he knows he can't improve, he can't progress, that worlds without end he will never have a bright tomorrow. He is a miserable man bound by eternal limitations, and he wants you to be miserable too. Well, don't fall for that. With the gift of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the strength of heaven to help us, we can improve. And the great thing about the gospel is we get credit for trying, even if we don't always succeed. So once again, that's April 2016 General Conference. I think the talk is called, Tomorrow the Lord Will Do Wonders Among You. So I'm going to remember that idea of post-illumination affliction. Now, I wanted to look at Hebrews 11 because it's such a fun chapter. It starts with one of the best definitions of faith that we have in the scriptures. We often think of Alma 32, and footnoted to Alma 32 is Hebrews 11.1, which says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The JST changes that to the assurance of things not seen. And the thing we love about this chapter is Paul kind of puts together a faith hall of fame. By faith, Abel offered up to God a more excellent sacrifice, verse 4. By faith, Enoch was translated, verse 7. By faith, Noah, warned of God, prepared an ark, verse 8. By faith, Abraham called to go out into a place he should receive an inheritance. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed. And he goes on with this hero hall of fame. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he even mentions by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Remember that Old Testament story? So verse 40, the last verse in Hebrews 11, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. What I love about this chapter is something that I've, I've learned with young people and maybe with all of us, is that sometimes we govern our lives more by example than by principle. And when we have examples we can look to and say, I want to be like that person, it's a little easier to relate to than just trying to, trying to hit a principle that may, be, may feel like it's too hard for us or too out of reach. So I love the idea of, of that, having a hero hall of fame. And the fun thing about this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, is there's kind of a parallel chapter 
a very similar chapter with the Hero Hall of Fame in the Book of Mormon. If you are looking in the Come Follow Me manual, it even says, see also Ether 12, 6 through 22. So, who's talking in Ether 12? Well, Mormon dies and Moroni takes over in Mormon chapter 8. And chapter 9 are written by Moroni. And then Moroni says, I want you to have the record of the Jaredites. And partway through that abridgment, he stops in Ether chapter 12 and gives this great discourse on faith. And here, Moroni kind of gives his own definition of faith. Ether 12.6 I would show unto the world, the faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore dispute not, because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. For it was by faith that Christ showed himself unto our fathers. And then he starts giving us this hero hall of fame. Verse 11, by faith it was the law of Moses given, a more excellent way. Verse 13, it was the faith of Alma and Amulek that caused the prison to tumble to the earth. Verse 14, it was the faith of Nephi and Lehi that wrought the change upon the Lamanites, that they were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Those are, that's Nephi and Lehi, sons of Helaman. Verse 15, behold, it was the faith of Ammon and his brethren, which wrought so great a miracle among the Lamanites. And he goes on with that little same kind of a thing. Look at the examples we can learn from, he seems to be saying, in Hebrews 11 and in, in Ether 12. Then we get to Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to read the synopsis. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. God is the Father of spirits. To see God follow peace and holiness. Exalted saints belong to the church of the firstborn. The first verse of Hebrews 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth beset so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here, the author of Hebrews is using that metaphor of somebody running a race and even mentions this cloud of witnesses, maybe that hero hall of fame is exactly the people that the writer is referring to. If you look in the religion, or the, let me say it right, the Institute New Testament manual, this paragraph appears on page 488. Paul referred to these men and women of the previous chapter as a cloud of witnesses. They can be looked to as witnesses because their lives bear witness to the power of faith in enabling us to perform righteous works. Paul may have intended the phrase cloud of witnesses to introduce the metaphor of running a race, in which the faithful saints of old are figuratively seen as the crowd of onlookers cheering on the runners. <laughs> so, the cloud of witnesses is a crowd of witnesses. They're up there in the stands telling us, you can do this. Both meanings convey, back to the manual, that the powerful examples of the ancient saints can give us strength and confidence to run the race that is set before us. And I think that's why we, we talk about our pioneer ancestors and things. They are our cloud of witnesses, or the faces in the crowd that are telling us we can do this, we can keep going, and we can make it in this race, which maybe President Nelson might refer to as the covenant path.
Hebrews 12 also refers to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. I love this because Moroni uses the same phrase, and I also love it because of that idea of finishing. President Monson gave a whole talk years ago called Finishers Wanted, the idea of, of enduring to the end and finishing what you start is an awesome, powerful idea to me. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you today as we look at these last chapters in Hebrews. What have we learned? The Aaronic priesthood temple was pointing to a future to Christ and his sacrifice and his blood shed for us once and for all that we have a crowd of witnesses cheering us on as we move forward on the covenant path. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.